Unfound is brought to you by its supporters at Patreon, PayPal, and YouTube, along with its gracious advertisers. On this episode, I talk about the disappearance and reappearance of Scotty Morris. I cover the murder of a lawyer by a surgeon. I analyze the ski accident involving Gwyneth Paltrow, and I finished the show off with an uplifting story. I'm Ed Densel, and this is Unfound Live for March 27th, 2023. All right, everyone, it's time. It is time for the live show. You know, I've been taking to singing lessons, so I got to, you know, have a little melody melody to that. Yes, this is the Unfound Live Show for March 27th, 2023. I hope everybody is uh, doing well out there. Um, of course, uh, here in the United States, it's been a very tough day. We had a, uh, another school shooting in Nashville, uh, three adults, three children, uh, killed, um, by somebody who it seems attended that school, uh, some years ago. And that is all over the news. Very sad. And on a, I just found out within the last half hour that um, one of my fellow uh, Star Trek members committed suicide this past weekend. And, you know, I guess since uh, I left in 2004, there have been... um, you know, a lot of my former class or co-workers who have passed away, but uh, the reason I'm bringing him up, his name was Vernon, is that I know um, many of you follow me on Facebook, my personal page, which of course where I hardly talk about Unfound at all. But um, if you've ever seen any pictures of me way back in the day at Star Trek, if they've ever, you know, me like lying down there in the corridor 20 years ago with my short hair and my boyish good looks, um, those pictures pretty – I don't know if they were taken by Vernon. I don't know if he worked there yet at that point, but he uh, was the guy who started the Star Trek The Experience Facebook page. And he went about collecting all those pictures, even from before he started working there. I don't think he started working at Star Trek until 2004, maybe 2003, 2004. And I started in 2000. So, um, and we really technically never worked together. He worked on the Borg Encounter and I was on the Klingon Experience. And I really didn't really know him that well, but 
he was the one who would post all those pictures. He went back and got all these pictures that were taken behind the scenes and he assembled them. And so if you've ever seen any pictures of me in my Star Trek uniform, he might not have taken the picture, but he was the one that collected them and then put them up on Facebook so they could be seen by everybody, so they could be um, shared um, by everybody. And uh, very sadly, I found out, like I said, within the last half hour that he uh, committed suicide. He was still living in Vegas. I'm not sure what he was doing or anything, but uh, he took his own life this past weekend. His name was Werner Vernon, and his last name was Wilmer, W-I-L-M-E-R. Very sad. Like I said, did not know him that well. Never technically worked with him because he started when they started the Borg Encounter, which, like I said, was at 2003, 2004, and I was always on the Klingon side. And Although we knew the other performers and kind of mingled with them during breaks and everything, really each side just got to know the people that they worked with all the time, you know, a lot better. So when I talk about all of my friends from when I worked at Star Trek, it was all the people who I actually worked with on the Klingon encounter, even though there was a large group also that came in in 2003, 2004 that worked on the Borg encounter. But you have to remember, I also left Star Trek in 2004. So very, you know, very, very sad. So there's that. Um, let's uh, see who is in here uh, tonight. Everything 23, what's going on? Karen Valerie. Fishing, what's going on? Nephew Charles, good to see you. Uh, I was talking to your uncle Brian, and he said you've uh, had uh, an issue with your car, had to get a water pump or something fixed or something like that. Uh, Delane, good to see you. Look at you, Delane. Hello, Lisa. And all of you in green, thank you so much for supporting the YouTube channel. If uh, any of you are wondering why those people are in green, they are uh, supporters of this channel. All you have to do is hit the uh, join button below. You'll have to be on a regular computer to do that. And they get some extra stuff. Maybe you want to think about that as well. Lisa. And I, like I said, everything. I saw that. Hey, hi, all beautiful people and dead. I saw that. My hair is not offended at all, everything. Jasmine, Kathy, Mark, good to see you. Paula, Carrie says she'll just be here for a bit. Assistant Carrie. Suzanne, Cherie doing the moderating. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Kathy. Uh, Sarah, hello. Uh, from New York. And thanks, uh, Charlie. And um, I think Cherie's uh, trying to help you out with that fishing. And thank you, Sarah. Valerie, yes, it is. Yes, it's very sad. Um, yeah, like I said, um, I saw Vernon online once in a while, but I cannot remember the last time I ever shared a message with him. It, and if it did, probably had something to do with photos that were posted in that Star Trek The Experience group. Like I said, just didn't know him. Knew him to see him. He knew, knew me to see me, names and everything, but that would be about it. Uh, yeah, crack caddy will need some work. Sorry to hear that, Charlie. Barbara, what's going on? And, uh, 
Everything says was for I had to mate. I'm not sure what that means, everything. <clears throat> okay, let's uh, get started with this live show for March 27th. Got a lot to talk about, a lot of things going on that I want to talk about. And if you've seen, of course, the title for this, you know some of the things that will be discussed over the next a little less than two hours. One just more personal thing. I played some horrible disc golf this past weekend. It was fantastic. Or some really bad disc golf. I don't know. It's not the yips or anything. Uh, I just don't know. Mentally, I'm not feeling it or whatever. But um, I, I just played poorly. So let's get right to all of the true crime stuff that I want to cover. And I'm going to start here. Have any of you been following the Gwyneth Paltrow trial? I have to admit, I know that it's on court TV. I haven't been following it necessarily on, uh, on TV, on court TV, but I have been reading about it. Um, it's probably kind of unique that you don't see too many famous people maybe be in a situation like this. Um, of course, with Johnny Depp. That was certainly something, but, uh, you know, it just seems like it was a much bigger deal uh, than what uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is going through on this. And um, it is a story. It is it is basically a he said, she said regarding a... Um, a skiing accident, a skiing collision of some type in which bizarrely Gwyneth Paltrow was fine enough to ski away, whether she caused it or not. And the guy, uh, his name is Terry Anderson, uh, suffered multiple injuries, broken ribs. And it is also believed that he had uh, some kind of brain injury to the point where people who know him well say that he's never been the same since that day. He's become forgetful. His mood has changed. And could this be because of some brain injury? And Terry Sanderson tried to, uh, maybe in civil court or something, tried to sue Gwyneth Paltrow for $3 million. And I guess a judge re rejected that. So now they're having this trial where Sanderson is trying to get uh, $300,000 from Gwyneth Paltrow. And I, I'm guessing including in that is, you know, any medical bills and everything else. And uh, Gwyneth Paltrow has already been on the stand. And um, the way she described it is that she actually, she, of course, he claims that he hit her and she claims that she hit him. And if you're wondering, well, what are the rules? I'm not a skier ever in my life. Uh, both of my brothers were big time skiers. In fact, my brother, Brian just went skiing this past week, uh, winter in Oregon, uh, even though he's 70 years old, but I've never got into skiing, never wanted to get into it. But the way I understand it, what I've read is that the person who is, uh, for 
farther down the hill has the right of way. So if Gwyneth was further farther down the hill, then anybody behind her has to watch out for her. And if Sanderson was farther farther down the hill, then she should have been watching out for him. And I think that makes a lot of sense because, of course, if you're going down the hill, your back is turned to everybody else. Everybody's behind you. They have eyes on you. They have to watch out for you. So they have to keep their distance. You know, the, the opposite, of course, doesn't, you know, doesn't make any sense. And there's an argument as to who was farther down the hill. Was it Gwyneth? Was it uh, this Terry Sanderson? To hear Gwyneth talk about it, she actually stated that when she, she of course claims that she got run into, that she thought it was some sort of assault. She thought like it was on purpose. She's not saying that that was the intention of him. She's perfectly willing to admit it was an accident, but not an accident caused by her. She's very clear on that on the stand. But that was what first went through her head. And being that she wasn't injured, she got up. There was some sort of ski instructor or something there who went over and checked out Sanderson. And the ski instructor seemed to think the guy was okay. Of course, that was not the truth. And then Gwyneth Paltrow skied off. She wasn't injured. At that point, it didn't seem like he was injured. You know, what are you going to do? But, of course, the uh, Mr. Sanderson, Terry Sanderson, is saying that she ran into him, and then she just skied away. She didn't offer help. She didn't ask if he was okay. Nothing. So, there is certainly a he said, she said, but... As I have here in my notes, let me just see here. So this was in February of 2016. It was in Park City. I've been to Park City twice. Like I said, though, I'm not a skier. I went twice to the Sundance Film Festival. If you're wondering where Park City is, that's where the Sundance Film Festival is. It's been there for years and years and years and years. I went in the year 2000, and I went in the year 2005. But this happened in February 2016. So this is over seven years ago. Of course, this would have been when Gwyneth Paltrow was still in the middle of filming the Avengers movies. And he, it's like I said in my notes here, Sanderson's trying to uh, sue her for, tried to th- sue her for $3 million. That got deducted to 300000 And the Sanderson is a retired doctor. Uh, he had four broken ribs, be- uh, believing there's a, some sort of brain injury. Of course, the big issue is how did she not get injured at all when he had all these injuries? Of course, he's the guy. She's the woman. You'd think in a collision, no matter whose fault it would be, you would think that she would have more injuries than he would. Instead, you know, he has more of the injuries. Now, anecdotally, uh, maybe just common sense. I don't know if this can be applied here, but, um, you know, my perception about when people run into other people is the person who gets hit usually suffers more of the injuries. Now, of course, this would then make, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow look guilty just on that alone. Why? Because the person who's causing the accident, sees the other person, runs in and maybe is able to protect himself or herself before the collision, whereas the other person, not knowing that it's going to happen, 
you know, cannot, you know, brace or avoid or lie down or whatever else you might be able to do if you're skiing. However, on the other hand, I think we have to remember that Gwyneth Paltrow, even though she is much smaller than this Terry Sanderson, she is like 20 some years younger, which as we all know, certainly plays a huge role when it comes to breaking bones and injuries and everything else. And you could even say that the difference between a 50 year old and 25 year old that even I know at my age that there are just things that if I were to do them, I would hurt myself, but a 25 year old wouldn't, wouldn't hurt himself. We also have to think about, we just don't know at what angle they hit into each other. And it very well may be that Gwyneth was the innocent party, but the Sanderson guy, maybe the reason he got hurt is yes, he hit into her, but when he actually eventually fell down is when he actually hurt himself. He didn't break his ribs on Gwyneth. He broke his ribs on the ground or something, which would certainly uh, be possible. Uh, let me see what everybody's saying. It does see uh, Paula says you've been watching it every day. Well, if you've been watching, I certainly want people to comment uh, on this because uh, I have read quite a bit about it. But like I said, I haven't watched any of the testimony. Uh, Lisa says, I've been watching the Paltrow trial. I broke both my legs. Yes, at the same time skiing. My brother Michael uh, has broke both his legs, but not at the same time, Lisa. So, yeah, I didn't sue, but the medic said I was fine and tried to walk for three days before I went home. I see uh, to the ER. Did you see? Um, did you see? I did see that. I saw the former singer of Iron Maiden, Blaze Bailey, had to say, I did see that. Hello, Coffee. Thanks for making it tonight, Coffee. Paula Sanderson had a laundry list of health issues before this happened, including some brain issues. All right. So Paula's saying that there's a possibility that these brain issues started before. Uh, he got hit into, but surely, I guess, on the other hand, Paul, he surely didn't have these broken ribs before he and Gwyneth collided, whoever was, the, whatever the reason. Uh, Karen says, your hair is getting nice and long. You're looking more like a rock star every day. Well, just um, behave yourself, Karen. So here's the what I think about. Once again, I'm not a skier. I never will be a skier. Uh, I don't like cold weather. The only way I like snow is to look at it from inside like I did when I was my dad's for Christmas and it's it snowed that it got down to below zero. I think that's fascinating. Uh, but I don't it's it's kind of challenging because you're here living in Florida when it comes to weather, it's not that challenging unless there's a hurricane. But but you know, my days of snow, you know, sled riding and thing are along behind me. But even if she was the if she was the victim, I mean, what, what I'm thinking about here is if she were the victim, would she really skied off? Does that sound kosher to all of you? You don't you don't have to be Jewish to to use that word, I suppose. Um, does that sound copacetic? Does that sound reasonable to you? Is that what all of you? You don't even have to maybe even just imagine yourself skiing. And you are not the guilty party. You're skiing down and somebody runs into you. Would you just get up and ski away? You might be ticked, of course. You might have a choice, a few choice words. You might drop an F-bomb. Totally all understandable. Everybody would understand that. What I don't think people would understand is if you've automatically got up and just skied away. 
right? Even if it was the other person's fault, you might be miffed. But if that guy is on the ground and he's grabbing his side and his, you know, you know, he's saying like, I think I broke my ribs and everything else. Would you not stick around just to make sure that the guy was okay and wait till like an ambulance or something got there or, you know, get down and say, wow, I wish we could have avoided this. You know, I didn't see it coming. You know, let me just sit here with you. Is that not what a reasonable person would have done if you knew that you didn't cause the wreck? But, but on the other end, who does drive away, being that we all drive cars here, who drives away from a wreck if two cars run into each other? The person who, who wants to get away with it. That's right. When we have two people run into each other, and there's a hit and run. The reason the person that runs is the person who caused the crash. Why? Because they know that they were doing the person knows he or she was doing something wrong and doesn't want to get caught. So I can't get that out of my mind. And I realize Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, kind of does have a reputation. I don't know her personally. Who knows what she's really behind the scenes? Uh, you know, she has this goop site which gets a lot of criticism for you know kind of being out of touch and she's trying to be a diet expert and health expert and everything else but she does have a little bit of a reputation whereas if we were to what we think we know about other famous people let's just keep it to famous women if this was a situation and it was Jennifer Aniston who was out there and she actually got run into, it wasn't her fault. Can you really see Jennifer Aniston skiing away? And I know that people follow me on my personal page and I talk about Jennifer Aniston and make jokes about her and how I, you know, you know, take Jen call me and all this. And people know that I, you know, I'm attracted to her everything else. But, you know, anytime you see her in an interview, very laid back, very funny, outgoing, uh, can laugh at herself and everything. Does she seem like the type of person who would ski away from something like that if she was involved in an accident and it wasn't her fault? I don't think so. We could flip that around being that John Wick 4 is out and you know everybody loves Keanu Reeves. Is that what Keanu Reeves would do? He's on the ski slopes. I don't know if he skis or not. Somebody runs into him by accident. It's the other person's fault. Is Keanu Reeves going to ski away? Of course, we know there's, a, you know, the kind of, we all know the kind of person Keanu Reeves is. Very generous, very giving, very kind, looking out for people. There's a the famous story of him being on this flight that got diverted for some reason, and he ended up paying for a van to, uh, take all these people to their final destination. And while he's in the van with just these regular people, he's reading off like Wikipedia, all these places that they're passing and everything. You know, these are the things that I think about. And I think, I guess what I'm saying here is that I am inclined to believe that it was Gwyneth Paltrow's fault. Because her actions after the after this crash Make her look guilty. That's what I would say. Um, so, but if you're watching the um, 
if you're watching it, I certainly want to know what you think, how you think the jury is leaning, uh, which way. Uh, Paula says she left to go down the mountains to join her kids. Her instructor stayed, and he was almost blind in one eye. Carrie, the reason a drunk driver is seldom hurt in an accident is because they don't tense up and prepare for impact. I've read that, Carrie. Thank you. Yes, good point. Mark, went skiing once in my life. That's all it took for me to know that it is not the sport for me. Me and you, me and you Mark, me and you. Jasmine, I would stay to make sure they are okay. Carrie, you okay, friend? Yep, I'm okay. Skis away. Valley, thank you for explaining. I had no idea why she was in court. Yep, that's why she is. From a skiing accident that happened over seven years ago. Paula, all he said was, I'm sorry. Told Ski Patrol he was fine the first time they came by. It's very true, TD. Her attitude isn't helping her at all. Kathy, anyone with good character will stay to make sure the other person is okay, regardless of fault. Carrie, I would have to ask, if someone states they are okay, how long do you actually stay around? Well, that's true, Carrie. You know, um, I I think um, I, I agree with that. You know, you're, you're, obviously if somebody says they're okay, you, I can't argue with that reasoning. But also, on the other hand, you would be thinking, I know how hard hard this collision was. And it very well may be that this person, you know, yes, I'm okay. And you may be thinking, well, if I'm okay and I'm a, I'm a, uh, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow, how much does she weigh? 110 pounds, maybe. And I know she's kind of tall, but she's very, very skinny. Um, you know, she might be thinking, well, you know, I wasn't injured. Then probably, you know, he's okay too. Maybe you can't argue with that reasoning, I suppose. Yeah. Um, everything says if it were a car accident, she shows guilt by skiing off. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things, like if you get into a fender bender out there, and I realize, you know, skiing, a ski slope is different. But if you're in a fender bender somewhere in a parking lot, you know, you're not supposed to drive off. Even if the other person says, hey, I'm okay. So, Sheree says, sounds very Gwyneth to me. Kind of does to me too. Although I did love her in the Iron Man movies. Uh, TD agrees with Sheree. The real, I'm a longtime quad skater. Our etiquette would be similar to skiers. Both parties always check that the other is okay after collision. Both parties state whether or not they are okay too. Carrie says, sound like she waited for ski patrol. Same as accident, in my honest opinion. All right, so Carrie is leaning more toward, um, you know, at least circumstantially, that it doesn't make uh, Gwyneth look guilty, which her actions after the crash. Okay. You know, I guess, you know, and that's the big point. There's no video of this. <laughs> um. I don't, I, once again, since I haven't watched the trial, have they, um, have they been able to find any witnesses who aren't connected to either of them? You know, somebody who might just want not, want not a kiss, butt to Gwyneth and somebody not connected to Sanderson, somebody who didn't even realize it was Gwyneth Paltrow who was involved in the crash. Has anybody like that testified at all? You know, I've heard things about Sanderson's daughter testifying and, but were there any uh, objective bystanders who actually 
watched this, who actually saw this crash happen, they would they would know better than anyone. And it very well may be that in, in Gwyneth's own mind, she thought she really was farther down the hill. And it very well may be that uh, the Sanderson guy thought he was farther down the hill. It's not like they're lying. It's just they perceived, each perceived him or, or her to have the right of way. So, um, Katie says, Kano has a motorcycle in my daughter's office. Really? One of those, um, what are they called? That company that he partly owns and designs and they're like high-end motorcycles. Is that what it is, Katie? Paul, I can't fault her for going to check on her kids. They were young. The person that stayed was an employee of the resort. The real, you kind of accept low-level injury in the process because it goes with the territory. I've been bleeding and saying, yeah, I'm okay a few times. Okay, the real Paula, no one saw the collision. All right, so it's truly he said, she said. Carrie, my opinion, did this guy just think dollar signs? Why wait seven years if it's such a serious grievance? Well, he has been trying to sue her, Carrie, my understanding. Uh, and, you know, it's finally gotten to court after the the dollar amount was i guess what we might say adjusted so this is very interesting i i, I guess what i'm saying here is it seems to me that uh, the that the people were watching this it doesn't seem to me like the sanderson guy is going to win you know I, obviously i don't you know this is not a criminal trial it's not beyond a reasonable doubt this isn't Steve Pankey on trial. Um, but I, I have to say, you're just looking at the comments in the chat. It seems like if all of you were on the jury, that this might be some sort of split decision, maybe a hung jury. Doesn't seem, it just seems to me that, although maybe some of you don't think very highly of Gwyneth, that her behavior is just within the realm of possibility and morality to give her the benefit of the doubt. That's kind of the feeling that I'm getting from the chat. Um, Paula says there has been some chat about a missing GoPro tape. I saw that. So maybe somebody does have a video of it. And um, I want who did, Paula, have they said who uh, actually has, the, who had this GoPro camera? Who was it? Uh, Katie's yes, Arch. Yes, that's exactly right. Arch motorcycles. I'm not really into motorcycles, but they are nice. Karen, do you think famous people get treated differently by a jury? Well, do I think so? Um, I guess it depends. <laughs> um, of course, OJ, famous person. I think most people in the United States think they really did kill his ex-wife and Ron Goldman. But the jury thought otherwise, not, you know, all 12 of them. On the other hand, there have been, I, I guess, some people that have gone to jail. Um, it seems to me there was, although I don't know if it was a majority, there was a significant group that thought Johnny Depp was guilty. Of course, that's not the way that trial went. Um... Is there a starstruck uh, element to this? There could be. Uh, people see that famous person up on the stand, and they think about all the good times they've had with that good. Per of course, 
you know, doesn't even know these drawers, but they think about a TV show or a movie, um, maybe some musician or something like that. People are emotional animals. So, um, so I think people get treated differently by a jury. Very well be, could be Karen. Uh, you know, I think the issue would be though, there's probably a lot of regular people who have got out of crimes too, for whatever reason that they were probably guilty and the jury thought otherwise. So we, and we just don't know enough about those uh, types of situations. We know all about the famous people who have, gone to trial and everything and been found not guilty. And some of them, yeah, shocking. To me, me personally, O.J. Simpson being found not guilty, shocking. Um, going back to when John Landis was directing Twilight Zone, the movie, and um, that actor and two children got killed on the set when a helicopter landed on top of them. And there was obviously they were taking too many risks. They were doing things against outside of the rules for filming and everything else. John Landis still got off. Jury were not was not were not willing to convict him of um whatever crimes he was charged with. I don't think he was charged with murder, but uh involuntary manslaughter or whatever it was. Um these things happen. Does that shocking to me? Yes. Because the director is uh, the the person on the set that's running everything. And when things go wrong, the director has to take uh, responsibility for that. And it was clear in that trial. If you don't know about it, you can go look at it. But he obviously, uh, John Landis, was doing things he shouldn't have been doing. He was directing things and telling people to do things uh, and putting people in harm's way. And three people got killed. An adult and two children got killed. He walked away from that trial free man. Um, but on the other hand, I think that there are some people who were found not guilty for very good reasons. Uh, I know that, uh, the band Judas Priest, um, way back in the eighties were on trial because, uh, a kid committed suicide and his parents, uh, sued Judas Priest because one of their songs allegedly, you know, can support suicide or something like that. And they wanted to blame the suicide on Judas Priest. Jury didn't go for that. And But I think that if you were to, to poll a significant, uh, you know, poll the, at least the United, the American population, and you start telling them, do video games cause violence? Do movies with a lot of violence and everything cause children and other people to glamorize guns? I think a lot of people are going to say yes. So, but that doesn't necessarily mean when a, these same people get into a courtroom that they're going to point the finger at a director or, or a musical group or something like that. So I just, uh, it's a great question, uh, Karen. Thank you for asking me. I just don't know how clear cut it is. Uh, Paula hints that Sanderson had one. So I guess then what we're saying, Paula, is that if Sanderson got rid of his GoPro camera, then maybe it does make it look like he was the guilty party. I guess that's how we could read into that. Kathy, Robert Blake was definitely guilty. That's another one. Thank you, Kathy. Donna, what's going on? Good to see you. Uh, but Katie, on the other hand, yeah, Phil Spector. 
um, ended up taking that woman back to his place and shooting her. And he was convicted. Yeah. And, and it's weird. Um, I can't remember that actress's name, but she played a significant role in some movie that I, I can't think of right now. Um, but once in a while I'll see the movie or something and I'll be like, Oh yeah. Or she was on some TV show. Oh yeah. That's the woman that, that Phil Spector murdered. Maybe some of you will look that up. Um, uh, and (laughs) Julia just tuning in for the live show the first time. Julia, thank you for making time on this Monday night. Uh, thank you so much. You're very kind as making some time, uh, tuning in for the first time. If nobody's reading what Julia wrote, it's, it's spectacular. She goes, so funny. I listen to your podcast, but never put your face and hair with your voice. So cool. I love your episodes, Julia. Uh, you're very kind. Um, thank you. You're very kind. And thank you for making some time to, to tune in for the live show for the very first time. That is really, really cool. And yes, this is my real hair. And I am 52. Uh, Carrie, got to go. Bentley's here. Oh, ben- hey, Carrie, you say hi. Hi, Bentley. You say hi to Bentley for me, Carrie, if you could. Uh, he says hi, but he wants to go to art with me. Yeah, you got to go uh, do some finger painting or whatever you got to do. Hello, Bentley. Good to see you. Thanks for uh, uh, spending time with your grandma tonight. You're, you're one good grandson. Good for you. Uh, Katie says, I think it was Lana something. Okay. And Kathy says, Robert Wagner was never charged regarding Natalie Wood. You know, that's one of those. Was he guilty? Wasn't he guilty? I think Kathy that I think what has kept Robert Wagner, uh, you know, I don't know if he did it or not, but you know, the thing about Robert Wagner, he seems like a very, very likable guy. And of course, he went on to do what heart to heart. He was doing that right around the same time, and then he was in the um, Austin Powers movies, and he made an appearance on uh, Friends or no Seinfeld, and that probably has helped uh, that. Once again, I, I know there are many people who believe that he didn't do anything to help Natalie Wood, or actually even might have caused her to drown. Julie, I miss Phil Hartman so much. That's another one. Yeah, his uh, wife who had a cocaine addiction uh, shot him, shot him, shot herself. I remember where I was when that that went down. You have a great calming voice for stories and podcasts. Julia, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks. And I miss Phil Hartman too. He seemed like, once again, another great guy. And it does seem that she was the one who had the, you know, he, he was married to her. She had a cocaine addiction, but. Phil did not. Phil didn't have any addictions at all. I, you know, they tested his blood after he was shot. Nothing in his system at all, but she was all cooked up and everything. Very sad. Very sad. So Gwyneth Paltrow. We'll see what happens, but if I had to gauge uh, this chat, if all of you were on the jury, I think that uh, Gwyneth Paltrow would be walking away and not be $300,000 poorer. By the way, she also has a countersuit going on where she's only asking for $1. So there's that. All right, let's move on to this. And this is a, I meant to talk about this last week. I did not, but I'm certainly not going to miss it this week. And that is this disappearance of Scotty Morris 
He disappeared and then he reappeared. And I just want to read. Um, uh, reappeared, and I should say he's alive if you didn't know. So I'm going to read this article and then I'm going to do some commentary on it. Jennifer says, first time chatting, but been following religiously since 2016. Well, wow, we got another uh, person chatting in here for the first time with two hearts. Jennifer, thank you very much. Good, good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you. And Julie and Jennifer together, I can hardly stand it. All right, Scotty Morris, a missing teenage boy who vanished for eight days after his parents forced him to wear a shirt that called him a liar and a cheat as punishment, was found by his mother less than a half mile away from where he vanished. Scotty Morris, 14, disappeared from his home in Eaton, Indiana, at 8.30 p.m. on March 16th, with police scanners appearing to imply that he had told his parents he would run away. Eaton, Indiana Police Department confirmed that the teenager was found safe and well on March 24th. So he's gone for eight days in Indiana in a t-shirt. Please remember that. Just a five minute walk from his home. Emergency services scanners show the officers arrived at Hartford Street and Harris Street to find Scotty with his mother, Felicia. He was wearing the same clothes that he'd been reported missing in. A white t-shirt daubed with, I hurt my little brother on the front and a crying face. It is unclear if Scotty was spotted by witnesses who then flagged down his, his location to police, but his mother, Felicia, appeared to be on the scene before officers and was talking to her son. Police would not confirm details of how the team was found, but scanner audio from 10.33 p.m. when he was found states, I've got him with mom. He's still in the same clothes that he had in the description. Scotty was taken to the IU Health Ball Memorial Hospital in Muncie to be checked out it appeared to be okay despite sub-zero temperatures, not sub-freezing temperatures, sub-zero temperatures. And for all of you in other countries, that means like, you know, zero Celsius is like freezing. It's like, I'd be like minus 15 for all of you, minus 10, 15. Sub-zero temperatures on several nights that he was missing. Police scanners from the time he went missing revealed that he had been told somebody was going to run away and neither that his mother honestly didn't have anywhere specific that he would go. The teen was placed in a safe environment while officers continued to investigate his disappearance. The family members confirmed on Saturday that he was home safe and well with Eaton Police Department confirming they had conducted interviews with two people and ruled them out, ruled the out, ruled them out of their inquiries. In a statement released on Saturday, they said officers with Eaton PD and the Delaware County Sheriff's Department have been conducting interviews most of the day. There were two individuals brought in for questioning. However, they have since been cleared of involvement with any part of this case. The Department of Child Services is assisting Scotty. His aunt, Melissa Morris, may thank officers for helping locate the teen. She said, I want to say a huge thank you to the Eaton Police Department and all the surrounding agencies for all their hard work. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. The chief of police also said that his parents, Felicia and Brian, had undergone polygraph tests and were not considered suspects. Many still question, many still ask questions about the family, despite the police ruling them out of the investigation, with Melissa posting images of her nephew online and hitting back at the claims his parents were involved. Police launched a manhunt for the vulnerable teen with a missing persons alert saying he's believed to be in extreme danger and may require medical assistance. A nearby church held an emotional vigil for the teen the day before he was found. As officers continue to appeal for footage after he vanished, 
Dozens of people turned out for the candlelight vigil in Tiny Town with a family friend saying, let's bring this child home. Um, and so you get the idea. But cops have also admitted the investigation came to a standstill after Scotty's mother, Felicia, sobbed as she begged her son to come home. In an interview last week, she said, Scott, I love you and I want you to come home. I know you're mad and confused and I'm afraid you're scared with all of this. Everyone is looking out for you. We're not trying to scare you. You're not in trouble. If you're in a house and they come to you and you don't want to go out because it's the cops, reach out. Me and dad will come get you. I love you. I just want you to come home. So what are we supposed to think about all this? What do all of you think? Um, we have to remember he's gone eight days. He's in pants and a t-shirt. As you heard in the article. Sub-zero, not sub-32. I mean, that would be bad enough. Sub-zero weather. And there he is after eight days, just pops out of nowhere. Where do all of your minds go with that? I'm going to ask you that as I read what people have been uh, writing since I was reading that. Daniel Kelly, I think it was staged in an attempt to make money. There's Daniel, uh, Daniel gets in. I think that's... Certainly something that needs to be investigated, Daniel. Uh, thank you for that. Julia, don't you have two podcasts on Spotify, Historical Murders and Missing? Or I'm subscribed to both in the YouTube channels. Julia, I, uh, Unfound does have two podcasts on there. Unfound, which is the podcast in which we cover nothing but disappearances, unsolved disappearances. And then this live show is also a podcast. Uh, there's an audio version of it that will be out tomorrow. So everything I'm saying here, you will hear tomorrow. This is for people who can't tune in or for whatever reason. So yes, there are two podcasts um, on Spotify and everywhere else, iTunes, et cetera, um, with uh, the Unfound uh, logo on it. But this is Unfound Live, and the other one is where I cover – uh, unsolved disappearances have been doing that one for about six and a half years. Whereas this one is a podcast. It's not quite been a year yet. Um, so I hope that um, explains that Mark, that would have been wind chill temperatures. Actual temperatures have not been that cold here still. Um, well, Mark, you're in Indy, Indy. Uh, certainly want to hear your opinion on this. Then Delane, something just sounds off with that. He was found with his mother in the freezing cold in that shirt. Kathy says it sounds contrived. Paula, his mom, knew exactly where he was. Mark, the school in that area was on spring break. Local speculation is that he stayed in a vacationer's home while they are out of town. That's an interesting thought. Jasmine, his mother hid him. They made this up, so Jasmine's going the exact opposite direction. Jennifer, a terrifying situation. So relieved Scotty was found. Delane, are we supposed to believe he went eight days with no shelter, food, or water? Delane, good question. Joy, I was wondering if he's just a little psychopath pulling heartstrings and 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 parents can't deal with him. Very well could be that too. We just don't know enough about him in school, his behavior. Um, of course, they're not going to uh, talk to any other children his age. They're not going to put their names in the paper. Sheree, the mother does not need custody. Uh, the mother does not need custody of any children. Julia, uh, you're, thank you, Julia. Mark, but I also agree with those saying the parents could have been involved. Mark, I completely agree that something is off with the parents, though, Rockford. Daniel, I'll buy a few shares of that theory. There's something more than meets the eye. 
What cuts against it is that it makes the parents look bad no matter what. Right. Uh, you know, we don't, you know, it's, I guess from this article that it, it, something Scotty had done allegedly to, I guess he has a little brother and had done something to him. And it sounds like he was trying to lie his way out of it. And the parents got angry and um, made him put on that shirt to, as a form of punishment. I don't know. Uh, once again, I'm not a parent. I'm not here to get into that stuff. Uh, I know that maybe even once or twice when I was uh, a boy, I got in some trouble. And I know the kind of discipline that I got. Uh, my parents never made me put on a t-shirt with saying I'm a liar or anything. However, I did get punished. And that's why I'm so good now. But um, I think we have to think about would a 14-year-old be able to you know, this would be I, – I think we have to think about it this way. He wouldn't know that he was going to get punished until the point that he didn't know he was going to get caught until the point that his parents give him the punishment with a shirt or anything. So would he have been able to, as a 14-year-old, put it all together? Well, all I have to do is go down the street. I know these people aren't home. I'll break into their house and just live there. Would a 14-year-old be able to do that? I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not around enough 14-year-olds to really say, but that certainly does seem a little industrious for a 14-year-old to think that okay, he got in trouble and automatically was like, okay, I am running away. Of course, children do do that. But then to the point of, well, I managed to find a place to stay with water and with food. And uh, to keep warm in this T-shirt. And that seems like a lot. In fact, dare I say it, we're all adults here. That if we were put in a situation wearing a, a T-shirt in sub-zero weather, we all know what we're going to be doing. We're all going to start calling 911. We're not going to go down the street, start banging on doors, seeing if somebody's home. And when nobody's home, like break in. So it is a stumper, you know, and the, the, the real scary part is we may never know. We may never know what happened here. We may never know. Um, Katie says, I agree that something is hinky with this, but perhaps he texted his mom to let her know where to find him. Mark, the shirt and the parents taking a picture of it speaks volumes about mom and dad. Bowling says, I think he's lucky he didn't have my parents. Yeah. And Paula wants to clarify humiliation is not discipline, of course. Uh, you know, that's why I said my parents would have never done anything like that. Um, Joy, his sister said he's bad. He supposedly stole his mom's money from her purse. And, you know, question, what did he do his bro? So, okay, so. If he has a reputation, uh, maybe he is just uh, – his reputation is just bad enough that he would break into somebody's house and do something. Katie, I do think the parents made him wear the shirt and made him – maybe he ran away. I, I Yeah, I don't think any really, really questions that the parents made him wear that shirt. Um, 
it's just everything after that. Rockford Mark might be what this whole thing needs is some context. We currently don't have it. There's a lot of speculation about the, what the parents are up to, but no hard proof or anything. It's certainly true. Shree, we got punished without the T-shirts. <laughs> Joking, but I'm glad he was found, and I hope law enforcement can place him in a safe environment. Julia says, in my opinion, they didn't give him a cell phone and kick, and kicked them out. Uh, okay, Rockford. In other words... Is the straight story I boy punished is a rather harsh and unusual manner. Boy runs away. The real story, I'm far from sure what that is at this stage. Paula, you would have taken that shirt off immediately, right? You would think. You know, if he broke into somebody's house, would he continue to wear that shirt? Would he not go and start going through drawers and find something or a coat or something? You'd think so, Paula. Very good point. Very insightful there, Paula. Nicely done. Mark Rockford, you're right. And it will put uh bolt down to the word of a boil down to the word of a 14-year-old and his parents. Bowling, I thought he had shelter in a semi-trailer. You could do that, bowling. I, I'm not gonna rule that out, but it's not gonna be any warmer in there. I mean, that's that's going to get you out of the wind, but it's just going to be regular temperature and just inside there like it would be outside. Uh, and, you know, and I have to say, I'm pretty, even though I've been out of Pennsylvania for 25 years, even for me, I'm pretty, you know, it has to get down into the 40s before I start feeling uncomfortable in a t-shirt. I, you know, and I've played disc golf starting in the temperatures in the forties with a t-shirt and it was, it was fine, I guess, but we're talking like into the thirties, into the twenties, you know, even I'm like, that's crazy. Um, Delane, if I think my three girls are 14, uh, I, I think of my three girls at 14. Absolutely not joyous. So Delane, uh, does not think that her three girls at 14 would have been able to do seemingly what Scotty might've done, find some place to stay and eat and water and everything else. Julia, no child would run away in 15 degree weather. Siam says coming in late. I'll catch up on the reply. Keep up the good work. Hey, good to see you. Thanks for tuning in, making the time. Appreciate it. Mark, it got down into the teens a couple of nights while he was missing. I guess what we're also saying here is it doesn't seem to me that any of you believe that he was being sheltered by somebody else. That there was somebody out there who knew that he was missing and just was keeping him out of the news. I don't see any of that in the chat. Um, so I think that that is noteworthy as well. And, and I agree with that. I mean, what what person wants to get a caught up in something like that? Scotty uh, comes knocking at your door. Yes, you might like, well, get in here, Scotty. Why are you that T-shirt on? What's going on? But as soon as it hits the news, that person would be taking, you know, they would person would be calling the police or calling somebody. They might be a little leery about taking the kid back to his parents, given the kind of shirt that he's wearing. But surely this person would not want to get himself or herself wrapped up in the middle of this. But it just doesn't sound believable that he was out there by by himself for a week out in the cold either. I'm just wondering, will they eventually find out where he was, if if he was somewhere, or was, as a couple people have stated here, was this just some big fraud of some type for some reason? We have to go back, you know, to the boy in the balloon. Remember all that. Going back to that. 
Uh, Rockford says, run away in 15-degree weather. I wouldn't drive to the office last week because it was 55 and sprinkling. Oh, my, Rockford. Mark, and it's been very windy here. Uh, Cult, I don't trust the parents' story. Julia, parents would feel real bad if he was taken and trafficked. No. One thing I haven't yet mentioned, I hope everybody will give this video a thumbs up as you are watching tonight. Um, that is available to be done on all platforms out there on iPhones, on Android phones, on tablets, iPads, laptops, desktops. Please, as you are watching tonight, just hit that thumbs up button right now. So, gonna, you know, I'll, I'll try to keep an eye on this. As you know, I'm a very busy guy. I, I know many of you will also be keeping an eye on this. I certainly hope that we find out where he was and what actually really, 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 really went on here. I suppose being that, um, you know, in this article that I read, and of course there are thousands of articles written about this. I just picked out one of them. Um, I, I suppose I'm open to the idea, could he have gone to a church? We have to remember that churches generally are unlocked. Of course, they're always heated. May not, depending on air conditioning where you are, but certainly always heated if you're in a cold, cold climate. Maybe he was hiding in a church. And of course, I started thinking about the movie Rounders when Worm was trying to avoid the people who were after him, um, Edward Norton's character. He would go hide in a church and maybe you remember that scene from Rounders. I love that movie. So maybe I'm open to that. Did he go to a local church and just kind of hide from the pastor, the priest, any helpers or... Anybody, anybody like that? Did he? Was there an attic? Was there a bathroom? Was there something, a confessional somewhere where he could kind of hide out? And of course, as we know with churches, some of them have food in them. Some of them have kitchens and they certainly have water. Maybe we need to think about something like that too. You know, if we want to get away from the conspiracy angle too. Yes, Scotty really did run off and he did find a way to survive for eight days maybe we need to be open to that um thank you julia mark also interesting that there have been three 14 year old boy boys and one 15 year old boy missing in the last two weeks in indiana i didn't know that mark mt coming in hello mt the police stated they will not be providing any further updates since scotty is a minor yeah that that doesn't help coffee churches around here that i know are locked okay Sheree, I wasn't freezing when Worm was playing basketball at the church. Sheree knows that movie. He wasn't. He was there because uh, Grandma and KGB were after him. Uh, Sheree, here we go. Here we go on the movie. Uh, uh, off on the movie tangent tonight. Jennifer, good reminder. Just hit the like button. Thank you, Jennifer. Joy, he is in track. I hope uh, he ran to Florida, uh, Rockford. A clever kid that age could work out something with a friend or friend group. Maybe an older cousin. I'll be interested to see if this pans out too. I will tell you this. If I'm to believe that this story is really true, that he really did run away and was somewhere by himself and everything, I'm going toward a church. Somehow, somewhere, he just took a chance on that. But I certainly cannot rule out going down the conspiracy uh, path either. So um, 
you know, and I haven't been, for example, I haven't been to Web Sluice, uh, even though I, I interviewed uh, Trisha uh, for Friday's episode, of course, the surprise episode. And um, I'm sure they got some thread going on over there. Maybe there are people who are local to this area, maybe even people who know the family. Maybe they're giving some more insight over there. I have to admit that I've not gone over there to see what the those those people are saying. There might be some people like that. Maybe some of you want to go check that out. The land, our church is usually unlocked. I've built churches for their audio video equipment installed and no way they are leaving doors unlocked. I guess it just depends the land. Of course, we think back to the, um, Oh my, uh, the murder, actually the, the, what it, would it be like the sixth anniversary of the murder? What is her name? She got murdered in the church, the yoga teacher. It's escaping my mind, uh, my mind right at the second, her name, that church was locked. Of course it was, it was locked. She went and unlocked it, but the person who was in there had broken in. So maybe there is, I guess. Um, you know, maybe I'm just, uh, you know, I, of course, as many of you know, I come from a very small town in Leechburg. I don't think any of those churches ever got locked. I think they were always open. If somebody wanted to go in and pray and you know, spend some quiet time there, or uh, light a candle for somebody or something. Um, my impression is those churches were always unlocked. And this comes from a guy who uh, was raised Roman Catholic, was an altar boy, was also the church organist. That was my job in high school. And boy, have I changed. But uh, my impression is the churches were always unlocked, but maybe times have changed. Missy Beavers, thank you, Shuri, for saving my butt on that. Thank you, Missy Beavers. Um, Mark says one of the 14 year olds and the 15 year old from South Bend, I'm still missing one of the 14 year olds from tell city was found with a child trafficker. Okay. The lane says maybe Catholic church are still always open. Uh, Kathy, Missy Beavers. Thank you. Twinkle. Hey, there's twinkle. Missy had a key, right? Yeah. She, um, let herself in Rockford. That's right. She had worked on something with that church to be able to teach yoga there. But we also have to remember going to Missy Beavers and maybe I'll talk about this next week, given that we're coming up on, like, I think this that happened in 2017, right? I know it happened in April. So I know we're coming up on some anniversary of it. So maybe I want to make that, put that on my list of things to talk about when that, when we're around that time. Um, but we have to remember she usually taught those yoga classes outside and it was raining that morning. Uh, Marty, there's Marty. What's going on, Marty? So that is the Scotty Morris story. Uh, please keep your eyes open. If you see anything, any updates or anything, please uh, send it to me at unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. I would appreciate it. Allow me to now go through uh, some unfound news and then I will get back to some national news that I want to talk about. Uh, there was no poll this week on Saturday morning for obvious reasons. Uh, I thought that uh, Trisha Griffith did a fantastic interview. Um, and you should know that I spoke to her today. I am going to be appearing on her live show. She WebSleuth has its own live show, as she talked about in the interview. And I will be appearing on it live sometime the end of next week. So like a week and a half, no sooner than a week and a half from now. So maybe next Thursday, next Friday, 
something like that. Now you should know that their live show, her live show doesn't start till 1030 Eastern time at night. This one, of course, starts at 9 p.m. Eastern. So for all you East Coast folk, um, of course, you usually stay up to uh, to 11 o'clock to watch this, and I deeply appreciate it. But that live show uh, with her does not start till 1030. So um, be prepared for that. I will, of course, I'll probably have an update the exact day and everything next Monday. But um, you heard me right in the interview, invite myself onto her show. That might be a little rude, but I did it anyway. Um, so she's going to return the favor, and she'll get to ask me questions. Um, so we'll see. We'll see where that conversation goes. Moving on. Um, as some of you have probably already seen, if you are on Facebook, especially if you are in the discussion group on Facebook, if you aren't, you should be in there. Um, another unfound disappearance has at least been partially resolved. You know, it just, what was it? Just two months ago, I was talking about how I have an update episode coming up in April and what am I going to talk about? And then all of a sudden, you know, we went several months with no remains being found, nobody being found, nothing like that. Of course, there's some trials that have been going on and things, but the last person who was found was Ashley Simpson in Canada. And all of a sudden, within the last six weeks, we uh, have Daniel Villarreal, who was found uh, deceased, unfortunately. Uh, as I spoke, uh, talked about last week, Matthew Braswell, there was a skull found in a tree of all places, not far from where the truck wreck was. And his sister, Amy, believes that it's probably his. And then I let all of you know last week that Brandon Roberts has been found alive. He's in the hospital, has burns over a large section of his body, but he is going to survive. He's going to live. And um, although he's not not talking to his mother uh, within the last few days, but he is alive. And now we have news out of Pittsburgh that the remains of Kayleen Oling have been found. And in fact, uh, Emily uh, posted a video that her father did calling the mayor of Pittsburgh. And um, the father is really ticked off, and I think he has every right to, to be so. Not, Of course, his daughter is dead, and it is believed it was foul play. If you're not familiar with that episode, I urge you to go back and listen to it. That was uh, an episode that came out sometime in 2021. Um, it's in the Pittsburgh area. You know, I'm originally from the Pittsburgh area, so those always kind of strike me in a unique way. She had uh, gotten into this relationship with a much older man, and she was seemingly going to see him. And, of course, he said, no, she never showed up. Now, you should know that her remains were not found uh, where her father thought they would be. Not far away, but not – it was across the Allegheny River Technically, I know that area. I've been past that area, Washington Boulevard, way back in the day. I know that road. I know that street. But what happened was, uh, what was um, kind of odd about this is that hunters found her remains. But what strikes me on is this is like in the city. So what exactly... 
did they actually have guns? Uh, that I, there's something about that that seems odd. Uh, the area was wooded where she was found, but it's in Pittsburgh. So what are hunters do? I, I don't I don't know what to make of that. Um, even if they were in there hunting squirrels, they're really going shooting guns in in the city proper of Pittsburgh. I don't know. But hunters found her remains, and Pittsburgh police showed up and collected them. Well, what happened was that after the police were gone, Kayleen's father and, and others uh, went in there, and they found additional bones. It seems like the police did not get everything. And uh, Kayleen's father is very, very, very upset about that. Uh, like I said, my assistant Emily posted a video. It, uh, he took a video of himself calling the mayor's office and leaving a message. You can't imagine what the tone of it is, but um, if you want to see it, it's in the Unfound, uh, the Unfound uh, discussion group on Facebook. And he's posted several videos, by the way, since the remains were found. That was just the one that Emily decided to pick out. So he's very upset. Uh, not much doubt in my mind there was foul play. I thought that at the time. I've, I've thought that since. I think that now it all points to uh, uh, the kind of disappearance that I call the man said. So um, very sad. Uh yeah, and you should know something. I'm just as surprised when these disappearances get, you know, get resolved or partially resolved as you are. Uh, you should know that. Uh, I did not see the discovery of Daniel Villarreal coming. I, of course, had my own opinion about what happened. And the, the resolution to it kind of does fit in with what I thought happened, but still surprised. Uh, Matthew Braswell, surprised. Once again, still fits into what I thought happened, but... You never know when these things, you know, when bones are going to be found. And and certainly when you talk about Brandon Roberts, could I have maybe, you know, predicted that he would be alive? Maybe. But I really didn't think that he would still be in the Portland area and certainly didn't know how he would get discovered to be alive by being in the hospital for getting burned. And so when it comes to Kayleen, certainly believed that was foul play, certainly believed that her remains were out there somewhere. Um, but I was just as surprised. And in fact, I will be honest that I did see an article because I do kind of stay in touch with Pittsburgh news, just in general sports news or whatever. And I saw the remains had been found and I, they said the area and I, and I will be honest. I, I, it, it just didn't register to me that this would be Kaylee Noling. It just didn't. So, um, but this is far from over. Uh, I, of course, with Brandon Roberts, he's been found alive. It's done. Um, Daniel Villarreal, unless they find some sort of foul play on him, you know, on his body, it's kind of done. It's resolved. Uh, Matthew Braswell, I don't know if they'll, you know, if they all have found was this, you know, I don't know how much of him they found. It seems pretty much resolved to me. But when it when it's with Kayleen's, this is surely not close to the end of this one. Surely not. Um, and I'll try to keep up on it as much as I can. 
Um, Julia says, most notorious. That's the channel I thought you created. I, I, I'll be honest with Julia. I've never even heard of that. So, nope, not me. Rockford, okay, I'm not a social media guy at all, but I'm getting the idea that I'm missing out not being in the Facebook discussion group. Good idea to set up a Facebook account just for that purpose. Rockford, that's up to you. Um, you know, I know, I know why people don't get on Facebook. You know, I, I get it. I'm, I'm just yeah, telling you what's going on. I do, though, you should know, try to – um, you know, talk about some of the most prominent things that are posted in the group on the live show. Of course, as you would expect, probably miss some things too in these two hours. You know, would love to see you in there, Rockford. Um, as you know, your uh, partner in trying to solve disappearances, Reggie, is on there. You know, you should talk to her about it. And uh, as you know, she and I have uh, continued to talk after she appeared last year regarding Kyle Fleischman. So I would talk to her and get a good opinion from her since I know you two work very well together. Marty, is it, it's worth it, Rockford. Okay, Marty says, cult. Her name again, I missed it. Kayleen Oling, uh, cult. Uh, K-A-Y-L-E-N-E and then Oling, O-E-H-L-I-N-G. Delane says, I'm glad that the father has a resolution and has a remains. Yeah, this, like I said, though, Delane, as you, you know, this is far from over. Uh, Rockford says, I'll get my computer literate wife on it post-haste. That's funny. Marcus, thank you for becoming a member of the channel. Thank you. And I'm going to be talking about one of the new things on this channel here in a moment. Um, and Jill says, sub, Jill, did you get your electricity back? I know you had to tune out last night for the think tank. Because of uh, electricity issue. Did you get it back? I'm guessing you did. And uh, while I'm mentioning it, please consider becoming a member of patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. I'm working on some things there. And one of those things I'm going to talk about right now, uh, hopefully it will get you to consider supporting uh unfound through patreon and here on youtube as well but kayleen oling uh very sad um but i don't think any anybody who is familiar with the disappearance is uh surprised by this but if you've not listened to kayleen oling's episode uh, please go back and find that it's sometime in 2021 her father was the guest and uh, probably so if you haven't listened to that one, probably now would be a good time being that it remains have been found. Moving on. I've started a new series on Patreon, and it is also available to people who are members of this channel. When I say a member, what do I mean by member? I do not mean a subscriber. Subscriber, all you do is hit the, the button down here in the right-hand corner, and I deeply appreciate it. Members are people who uh, pay a very small amount a month, less than $3 a month here on YouTube. And they get some things that uh, the rest of you don't get. They get some things that uh, come out a little early, like the newest Unfound Now came out today. I'm going to talk about that before we're done. But the newest thing that I've started, it is on Patreon and on this channel for Patreon members at the $5 a month. Level one above. And also here uh, for all YouTube members. 
And it is a series called Found. And in fact, I posted the logo in the group, and all it is is the regular Unfound logo with a big reg X over the, the first UNN. Of course, there's two UNNs in the word, the first UNN. So it's Found. And in this series, it's going to be a monthly series in which I'm going to take a look at, at solved disappearances. So uh, maybe a catchy way to put it is from disappearance to discovery. And with Brandon Lawson's is the first one. It's just about an hour long. And what I do is I go back to 2013. What was going on with Brandon at the time? Where was he going that night? I talk a little bit about Brandon, the person. We know uh, disappearances are about people, not circumstances. I talk about the, uh, of course, his truck being uh, out of gas. I got a recording of the 911 call that plays in, uh, in the episode that I posted. I read a bunch of articles that have been, were written over the years, a couple from a couple months after he went missing, and then one in 2014, one in 2018, just looking at how everybody was looking at this disappearance, how it was being reported. And that really, that 2018 article is long. It took me a long time to read that. Then I go through all of the, the theories regarding Brandon's disappearance. And if you know Brandon's disappearance, you know there were many. Um, did he get kidnapped? Did he get murdered? Did the police have something to do with it? Of course, did he walk off? Uh, of course, I talk a little bit about the way what people heard in the 911 call. Were there, were there voices in the background? Were there gunshots in the background? I talk about all that. And then at the end, I analyze how this finally got solved. And what I do is I kind of do it the way that the NTSB does it for plane crashes. You know, I'm a big, uh, not a fan of plane crashes, but I have an interest in them for some reason. And what they do, what the NTSB does when it comes out with its final report for a plane crash, it has like the main factor, what caused this plane crash. And it could be something as simple as Pilot flew the plane into a mountain, but then there are usually a lot of contributing factors. So in that situation, yes, the pilot flew into the mountain, but contributing factors were his radar wasn't working or uh, some other instruments weren't working. Maybe it was a pilot suicide or something like that. So there's always like the main factor of why the plane blew up and everybody got killed. And then all these contributing factors. That is how uh, I will be breaking down these uh, disappearances that will be on this series found. So the main factor, uh, you know, what was the main factor for Brandon Lawson's disappearance? You'll hear me talk about that. And then I also get into the contributing factors. I also get into why was it unsolved this long? Nine years. Why did it take that long? Why did he go missing in the first place? I go through all of it. In this episode, this first episode of uh, um, the series called Found, and it just came out a few days ago. It's just audio, no video, and it is available to Patreon members at the $5 a month level and above. You get some other things that already exist that are in there. Check it out. And also to people who are supporters here on YouTube. I hope that this will get you motivated to become a member because we're really, you know, we can learn a lot 
you know, and I don't mind putting it behind a paywall because these things are resolved. These disappearances are resolved and it is a bit entertaining and it is informative. I think it's enjoyable and dare I say it has a little bit of a, of a different tone than the podcast does, mainly because these are resolved, mainly because of that. Um, the next one, I'll even tell you what the next one's going to be. If you're wondering, well, Brandon Lawson, that's really well known. What's going to be next? I'm going to tell you all right, already right now that the next one at the end of April will be Elizabeth Smart. That will be the next one where I will take a look at her disappearance, all the things that went on while she was missing, all the theories and everything that were put out there, and then how her disappearance eventually got resolved. Of course, we know that she was found alive. How did that all happen? What were police and her family, everything doing to try to figure out what happened to her? That will be the next one. That will come out at the end of April. Of course, I will let all of you know when that is. Um, so let's, what's everybody, I did 10, I did 10,000 people still out of electricity in, in uh, the Phoenix area. Sorry to hear that, Jill. Wow. <coughs> Delane says, I hope someone gets prosecuted for Kayleen Marty. I hope so too. Uh, Stephanie, I'm interested to see your, to see you cover solved cases. Well, Stephanie, I hope you will then consider becoming uh, a Patreon member or just becoming a member right here on YouTube. Uh, neither is going to break the bank for you. Uh, cult. Thank you. Uh, once again, I hope you will, it will, if you're not a, uh, Patreon or YouTube supporter yet, I hope you will consider it. Like I said, um, just a couple bucks a month. Delane, void all these years. So we'll see. Um, Rockford, raise your hand. If you listened to the loss of 911 call too many times, you've realized it's pretty much nothing but a drunk dial. Seriously. I learned something from that experience. I do talk about that. And yes, I did get a very good copy of the 911 call that does play in the presentation that I do. Uh, thank you, MT. You enjoyed it. Thank you, uh, Marty. Thank you. So here are you all. For all of you who um, you know are wondering, well, what is this found episode? You see a couple people here, MT and Marty, who have already listened to it and thought it was fantastic. Do you need any more sales pitch than that? Kathy Rockford, Brandon was hallucinating on meth. My late husband used meth in his last years. Hallucinations are hallucinations are horrible. Yeah, but uh, very helpful. I think being that Brandon's disappearance was so well-known, it was talked about so much. It got so much coverage on all sorts of different podcasts. Of course, we didn't found, we did not get to it before it was resolved. It's a good one to take a look at, and I think we can learn a lot. It's interesting to see the progression, once again, from disappearance to discovery. And you know, look at the, this anatomy of a disappearance from beginning to end. And how can we apply that to all of these ones that are still unsolved? Um, Sheree made some sort of emoji there. Brandon was hallucinating. What is that emoji, Sheree? I am not familiar with, oh, it's like you're looking up. It's like a hand up in the air and uh, waving or something like that. That is a new one. I haven't seen you do that before, Sheree. All right, moving on. Um, <coughs> I posted um, last Tuesday. You remember there's a disappearance that we covered um, back in 2017, the disappearance of Nicholas Masucci, 
from 1974. He was tangentially connected to the New York Mafia. He went missing. His daughter, Fran, was the guest. Well, he, she and my assistant, Eric, have continued to work together on this, trying to get more information. Well, they finally got the FBI paperwork. And uh, I've posted it both on the um, in the discussion group. There you go. Another reason maybe Rockford to get a Facebook account. But I've also posted it on the uh, website, theunfoundpodcast.com, if you'd like to look at it there. Um, so I just wanted to tell you about that. I will admit I've been too busy to go through every page. But maybe some of you have a, maybe a couple more, more minutes per day than I do. Certainly, we don't talk too much about FBI FOIAs on Unfound. So here's an opportunity to look at one. So there you go. And I want to uh, thank uh, Eric for doing that work. Of course, Fran as well, that they sent me the paperwork and gave me permission to post it so all of you could see it. I also posted uh, a little paragraph that Eric wrote uh, regarding it. So you can see that as well. Uh, already talked about Web Sleuths. Like I said, next, the end of next week, I'm going to be appearing on Trisha's live show. Um, she does hers a little differently than I do. Of course, as you know, for all interviews done for Unfound, we do outlines. And uh, there was an outline for Trisha because there was a lot to talk about. Whereas I think the end of next week, it's going to be a little more free form, a little more freewheeling. And who knows what tangents. Uh, we may go off on, I do hope that, um, you know, we cover some new territory, uh, with whatever, uh, we talk about. Hopefully she'll have some unique questions for me. Maybe we'll even talk about some things that have nothing to do with true crime. Of course, with her, we did talk about some things that didn't have anything to do with true crime. We talked about her being a DJ and, and things. So we'll see how that goes, but it will be live. And it will be on YouTube, so you will be able to see me just like you're seeing me here. Uh, Shree says, uh, it's a raised hand. Uh, Shree, that's cool. I'll have to check it out, the FBI stuff. Kathy Rockford, meth addiction. Okay, Rockford. Okay, fine, Ed, but I'm not doing P interest. That's where I draw the line. You know what, Rockford? That's where I draw the line, too. And, in fact, you know, Rockford, that I avoided being on TikTok for a while. And then it was uh, Shree who convinced me to open an account there. And I think it's done fairly well. I just do those little short one and a half minute videos, uh, previews, and they get a lot of views. So I can't say that I'm mad that on TikTok, but it sounds like the American government's going to ban it anyway. So um, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Cherie, looking forward to seeing you on websites. It's a full circle kind of moment. Uh, tell me about it, Cherie. Surely when, as I talked about in that interview very quickly, about my first um, experience with you, you, web sleuths, there is no way that, like, I don't know, 17 years later, that I would think, you know, the owner of web sleuths, who was the same person back there, Trisha, in 2023 is going to be interviewing you for her show on this thing called YouTube. It's just crazy. It, it's just so much has changed so many new things and stuff over the past 15 years. And, you know, just with all of us, myself included, I could have never guessed that. If you would have told me in 2006, you're getting onto this site, you're talking about Jennifer Kessie and her disappearance, and you're really saying that 
You know, she really disappeared on Monday night, not Tuesday morning. Well, uh, 17 years from now, the owner of this site is going to interview you on her show on YouTube, on the internet. I would have been like, what drugs are you on? It's crazy. It's just, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. Um, <clears throat> all right, moving on. Uh, a big deal. We got a big deal coming up Thursday. I'm going to, and I'm missing trivia for it. Did I tell you last Thursday, my trivia team absolutely kicked butt. It was disgusting. I mean, we just completely destroyed. And there were like 30 other teams there. We completely destroyed them. They, I think they all think we're cheating, which we're not. But Thursday night, the good doctor and I are getting together again. Dr. Telesco. And I know I got this wrong. I thought it was supposed to be last Thursday. Actually, it's this Thursday. Um, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern on the Fischler College of Education and School of Criminal Justice YouTube channel. We will be doing a live show, and we will be talking about the disappearance of Karen Moore. And what is significant about this is that she was found in her car, submerged in a retention pond about a mile from where Dr. Telesco works at Nova Southeastern University. And this just happened in February. Uh, she went missing in 2001, both she and her car. I've already put together everything. I went back and um, got a bunch of satellite images from 2001, from 99, 2001, showing you how this retention pond has changed over the years. And so I think it's going to be a pretty good show. I hope you will tune in. Really looking forward to it. And I, And dare I say it, the good doctor and I just don't get together for these shows enough <laughs> i enjoy them of course the last one we did was in january we didn't do one in february because it was during finals week but i think we're supposed to do one in april so uh, i look forward to that one too but this thursday 7 p.m eastern on her youtube channel please subscribe to that channel by the way while you're and give it a thumbs up and everything while you're watching thursday night and uh, we will be talking about karen moore there is a page for her on uh, the Charlie Project. I don't know if there's a web sleuth thread regarding her or not. I think there is. But Karen Moore, the big question is, did she drive into that retention pond all on her own or did somebody put her and the car there? I'm sure the, the Dr. Telesco and I will get into that. Um... And uh, la, 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 la. Kathy Shree, I've watched several of Trisha's live shows in the past couple of years. Yeah. Uh, Marcus there on Found Podcast. When do you begin to suspect foul play when there's no obvious signs of foul play? Uh, I, I kind of have created kind of this standard, Marcus. That's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Obviously, if there are signs of violence or something, then of course we have to suspect foul play. Obviously, uh, that's 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 a no brainer. We might think about um, Jody Who's Intrude stuff just strewn all over the, the parking lot, obviously. So that's easy. Also, one of the standards is that are people close to the missing person telling stories that don't quite make sense? This might get more into the man said type of disappearance. So uh, husband says that his. 
uh, wife uh, must have taken off up in the middle of the night, even though her car is still there, her purse is there, her phone is there, all of her, um, all of her belongings and everything else are still there. And on top of everything else, he's just not doing very much to try to track her down. So that would also um, bring foul play into it, in my mind. And also, anything that contradicts what people are saying. Maybe their stories are believable, but then there are facts that contradict what those people are saying. That's the kind of the the standard that I use. Um, It's not perfect. Still working on it. But I think it's a good place to start when, you know, when you get to that point, is this foul play? Am I going to go down this way and think it's foul play? Or am I going to go this way and think it was an accident or an overdose or a walk-off or something else? I think those are the questions you really have to ask yourself. What you don't do is start thinking, well, this person would have never done that. And so that's why I think it's foul play. Being that you know, and I, I mean, just because it's on my mind and we just, you know, I mentioned a little bit ago, like Kyle Fleischman. In my mind, certainly could have been foul play. There, there's nothing to say that foul play didn't occur. But his disappearance, once again, using the way I think about things, does not cause me to think that foul play occurred. Now, I know people will say, well, we really wouldn't have walked off. We just don't know what people would do. We just don't know, but it's not perfect. And there's certainly some wiggle room in there, but those are some of the questions that I ask myself when looking at a disappearance. Um, Sharice says, me too, Kathy. I used to watch her more, her more regularly, but she has a lot of great content. Uh, thank you for posting the link for everybody. There is the link for Thursday's uh, show with Dr. Telesco. Cindy, so excited to be here. Cindy, are you another new viewer tonight? Man, we got some new viewers tonight. That's like the third one. That is spectacular. Uh, Rockford, I want Kathy on my trivia team. So I was at a bar watching games on Saturday, and I saw Nova Southeastern University win the Division II basketball championship. I'm sure they'll be impressed if you congratulate them. I saw that too, Rockford. You must be reading my mind. I am certainly going to do that. Um, And then Shree also posted the link to the Web Sleuths channel. Web Sleuth does have its own channel. Thank you, Cherie. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to have Cindy. Hello, Cindy. With Oh, look at Cindy as a picture of a puppy on there. And Kathy says, Rock Run, I'm a huge Jeopardy and Scrabble fan. My mom was a wizard Jeopardy and taught me to play Scrabble at age 10. You know, Kathy, you and I should play uh, Scrabble if you can, if you could figure it out on your phone over the internet sometime. I am quite the Scrabble aficionado as well, Kathy. That, that, raises some good possibilities, Cather. Maybe we can play some Scrabble over the internet. That would be fun. Uh, One more thing, uh, unfound kind of related, is I continue to work on how to podcast better than anyone else. I finally got all the downloaded, all the pictures that I want to put in this. So it's going to be, it's going to be video, but it's going to be with pictures. So you're going to hear me talking about how to start your own podcast but they're going to be pictures along with it, both from kind of funny pictures, things that I talk about, pictures of Unfounds logo and some other things for this teachable course. You will have to pay to watch it um, because it is something that is a, a course that 
I think can be valuable to people. Anybody thinking about starting their own podcast, I go through everything. And along the way, I tell uh, some unfound stories about getting started, all the problems that I ran into, all the mistakes that I made. And so the next thing I have to do is put the pictures. The audio is already done. So all I have to do is go into iMovie, put the pictures with the video, and that's going to take some time. But I think it's going to be a really good course. It's about three hours long, but it covers everything from concept the whole way through how do you go about making money podcasts and everything in between equipment, marketing, genre, everything covers everything. So, um, I, I, you know, I know most of you aren't thinking about maybe starting your own podcast. Maybe you are, but even if you aren't, maybe you'll think about just, uh, buying the course just to see, um, maybe me talking about something else and maybe also to hear some kind of funny, they're funny now stories about when unfound got started and a lot of the other things that have gone over on over time behind the scenes regarding putting this podcast together. A lot of mistakes that I made that I'm trying to keep others from making those same mistakes, but it's going to be on teachable and it's called how to podcast better than anyone. Rockford. Hell, uh, yep. Not surprised. I'm not bringing anybody to game with you and Ed. Ha. Uh, you know, Rockford, I'm here to tell you, got a lot of, I got a lot of great information bouncing around in this head of mine regarding disappearances, I I think, but here I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of useless information bouncing around up in this head of mine too. I can't even begin to tell you. I don't, I just don't know where some of it comes from. Thank you, Cherie, Julia, Jeff Foxworthy, Hillbilly Dictionary words turned me into a Hillbilly Scrabble. Hillbilly Scrabble would be fun. Look at you. Um, Kathy says, Rockford, as long as he doesn't stretch the Scrabble rules, I'm very picky about the Scrabble rules. We'll use the official dictionary, Kathy. That's no problem. Online payers look up words. Not allowed. No. Uh, I promise you I would never do something like that. All right. Back to a couple uh, news items not connected to Unfound. However, this one um, story is local to me. It happened not far from where I live, and uh, let me get to it here. Here it is. A Tampa area plastic surgeon has been charged with murder, accused of killing a lawyer missing since last week, so like March 17th or March 20th or whatever back last week, from a firm that represents former co-workers the doctor has been suing in a business dispute. This is very interesting. You know, I, I want you to think about that after I'm done reading when I talk about it a little bit. Largo police, and you if you want to know what Largo is, Largo being that we're talking about trivia and I go every Thursday night, that's in the little city of Largo. I go to trivia in the city of Largo. Largo police arrested Dr. Thomas Kosowski on a first-degree murder charge on Saturday, so just a couple years, uh, days ago, in the disappearance of Stephen Causey, who was last seen Tuesday at Blanchard Law the firm where he worked. Police said Sunday that while Cozy's body has not been found, they have evidence that he was killed by Kosowski. They have Cozy's wallet. They said Cozy's wallet, phone, and keys were found in the law office, along with a significant amount of blood in the bathroom. They say a suspicious person and car were seen at the office, leading them to Kosowski. 
A search of the doctor's Tarpon Springs home found evidence that led to his arrest. Police said they did not elaborate. Tarpon Springs is about a half hour north of me. Kosowski, 44, who goes by Dr. K, was being held without bail on Sunday at the Pinellas County Jail, which is another place. I just went by that place uh, Saturday. Court and jail records do not indicate if he has hired an attorney. Blanchard Law has been representing Kosowski's former employer and co-workers in a lawsuit he filed against them four years ago and is ongoing. Jake Blanchard, the firm's principal partner, did not immediately respond to an email and phone message seeking comment. So I think what is important to understand about this, if this even makes any sense, this actually happened during regular business hours at that law firm. As you heard, he was with other lawyers. He went to the bathroom, never came back. Somehow, this surgeon went in there during hours. There was blood in the bathroom, so we have to think that he killed him in the bathroom and got him out of the farm without anybody seeing. This is this is part of the reason that you know I want to talk about that. Not just because it was local to me, but because. We have to think about that. There was blood. It saw something of a violent nature happened in the bathroom at this law firm and other lawyers were there because like he said, he went to the bathroom. They were expecting him to come back. He never did. Kind of crazy. You know how big, of course we know some law firm buildings are really, really big, but still, (laughs) how do you get an injured or murdered man out of a law firm building without anybody seeing? I don't know. What's also interesting to me, and I'm going to read this. This has to do with the lawsuit itself. And in the lawsuit, Kosowski said he began working for Lawfare Institute of Plastic Surgery in 2016, mostly doing breast reconstruction surgery. He said the woman Lawfare Institute assigned to do his insurance billing didn't file claims and lied to his patients, costing him tens of thousands of dollars and resulting in negative reviews of him to be posted online. Dr. K's promising young career was, has essentially been obliterated by the woman's actions. Kosowski's lawsuit says through, through no fault of his own, his career was put directly in jeopardy and his reputation has been deeply tarnished. He left law for Institute in 2018 and set up his own practice. Law for Institute did not immediately recall his call, return a call seeking comment Sunday. Kosowski's neighbor told CBS affiliate that he was a nice guy and he was very con- con- conversational. He went to community functions they said they were shocked by the news. Michael Montgomery, who says he is Kazi's husband, posted a message on Facebook saying, Kazi was a stolen from us. Today, our greatest fears were realized. He wrote, my husband and best friend was stolen from us. So just wait a moment. My other computer's about to die. I didn't plug it in, so I need to go get the cord. I'll be back in a second. I just have to go back into the background here for a moment. Hold on. Should have done this before. So I can plug it over here. And by the way, I got a new couch this past week. I love it. All right. I don't want this to... um, I don't want this to die with just a few minutes left. Okay. Thank you for understanding on that. Okay. So uh, once again, today our greatest fears were realized, he wrote. My husband and best friend were stolen from us. What's interesting about this is that usually when we think about 
one killing another over a lawsuit, we usually think of the defendant as the as the person who seeks out the plaintiff and kills the plaintiff. To be clear regarding this, Kosowski was the plaintiff. Kazi was the lawyers for the defendants. He was the plaintiff. So the guy who was the murderer was the plaintiff, not the defendant. I guess that leads us to believe how he thought that this lawsuit was going. Obviously, he thought it wasn't going uh, very well. He claims that he got screwed over by his former employer. Now there's he has a bad reputation out there. It's hard for him to make a, uh, a livelihood, so he takes these people to court. And then he's the one who ends up murdering the, the defendant's lawyer. Wow. Got to believe that this is going to end up being some sort of uh, 48 hours or dateline or something. Got to believe it just because of that. A, a surgeon killing a lawyer in a law firm during business hours and the you know this dr k had a great reputation as a person and everything probably i i can make a prediction that this is probably going to, to end up being some series some uh episode of one of those um let's see what everybody is uh saying rockford kathy speaking of both scrabble and disappearances have you seen sometimes always never don't know that cindy Ho huge fan of the podcast just discovered the youtube channel cindy thank you very much yeah, YouTube channel's been around for a while. We put a lot of uh, hard work into it. I hope you find a lot of things here that you like. Uh, Delane's getting out. Good to see you tonight. Good night to you, Delane. Um, and M says hello to everyone. I want to read just one more thing now to know a little bit more about Dr. K. He was the class president when he attended the medical school. Of, he went to Dartmouth. Uh, he was the class president of his medical school at Dartmouth. The news release also reportedly described Kosowski as innovative and accomplished plastic surgeon who understands the art and science of the human body and how to redefine beauty for each and every patient. And now he's gone and murdered the, uh, the plaintiff's lawyer in a lawsuit or the defendant's lawyer in this lawsuit. You just wonder what happened. You wonder, did he go to that law firm planning to do this? Or did he think that, you know, I don't know, he was going to go there and try to reason, you know, why are you defending these people and things just went bad? Just don't know. But he must, you know, he must have been at his wit's end. I just, you know, seems like... Uh, at least the way this article is written, it does seem like he got screwed over. But if so, then why would he go and kill the defendant's lawyer? You know, maybe he was to, maybe he was the one who actually did all the defrauding. It wasn't those other employees at that other institute. It was he who was breaking the law, maybe. So I wanted to tell you about that. Um, and I want to talk about a happy story before we get to this Friday's episode. We know we talked about so many more uh, morbid things tonight. Of course, we had the shooting in Nashville, three adults, three children dead. Uh, the shooter's also dead, killed by, by police. 
I talked to you about, I told you about uh, former co-worker Star Trek committing suicide, talked about Kayleen Oling. But here's a, a feel-good story uh, to, let's just say, end the, 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 pretty much end the live show tonight. And this comes from Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, where uh, I think of Little Rock, Arkansas. I think of my assistant, Emily, because she's from Arkansas. An Arkansas family is getting their best sleep in ages because a lost loved one is finally back home almost a year and a half since he was reported missing. The Pulaski County Sheriff's Office shared, 27, uh, shared the 27-year-old Harley McCourt was located in Galveston, Texas on March 11th. According to McCourt's family, it was October 2nd, 2021, just before a Razorbacks game, football, when they realized Harley was nowhere to be seen in his trailer. Everything from his wallet to his phone were left behind, and they immediately started searching. For over 500 days after that, pictures were all that the court family had to remember Harley. He just always made everything fun, like would go camping on camping trips. He was always the one to show everyone how to fish and do everything. You know, he was just the light, I guess you'd say, Brittany Crumpton, Harley's sister, said. When that light went missing, Crumpton, her, her sister and mother, did everything to get Harley's name out there, traveling to and spending whatever it took to rent a billboard, make flyers, offer a ten, offer a $10,000 reward. Every day, just trying to find something, anything, I felt like an investigator, Crumpton remembered. Your mind just wanted to tell you, no, he's not alive, he's not alive, but my heart just said something, that he was alive somewhere and he's out there. After numerous searches, it was one fateful phone call from Galveston, Texas, on March 11th that made the difference. That's just two weeks ago. Harley was stopped by an officer late one night because he was walking against traffic. He was just happened to have his old backpack, which listed all of his and his family's information in case he ever went missing while hunting. That was around 3 a.m. And immediately Crumpton and her mother, Kim McCourt, made the seven and a half hour drive. They would be searching. Uh, they would be searching for Harley based on what they last heard. According to Crumpton, authorities had to let Harley go because he wasn't committing a crime and they couldn't hold him, hold him for them. They started their Galveston search by renting a golf cart, handing out flyers, and rolling around the beach. But after most of the day, they had no luck and ran out of beach. To take their minds off the search, Brittany and Kim started looking for seashells. Me and my mom weren't paying attention, Crumston said. When Kim's name was called out, Crimpton remembered. She looked up, and I just threw all my seashells down. I was like, oh, my gosh, I couldn't believe it. Here was their brother walking down the beach. He had an umbrella, his sunglasses. And he was wearing a COVID mask. Calling Harley's name, he recognized his family and they reunited with the biggest hug. Harley then joined them on the cart. Is that amazing or what? They're out there searching for sales and their brother who they're looking for just starts walking down the beach. That's crazy. According to Crumpton, Kim said Christmas came with us too. Uh, they treated Harley with new clothes, steak, and everything he needed to make up for missing his 26th and 27th birthdays and other holidays. Crumpton said uh, Harley's memory of how he got lost and homeless is still fuzzy as if some memories have been blocked out. When they returned to Arkansas, he was helped by calling the 988 mental health line. Harley is currently in the hospital. His family visits every day and said he is improving. A lot of his personality traits and stuff are coming out already. And he started to back to being happy. We laughed a lot yesterday. So it's good. Crumpton said Friday. On the social media page dedicated to bringing Harley home, Harley's mother, Kim McCord, said, My heart is full again. Thank you all for the prayers and support. We couldn't have made it through this without all the wonderful people 
who sent prayers and gave their time on the searches. Kim McCourt thanked the Morgan Nick Foundation, Sergeant Jeffrey King of the Pulaski County Sheriff's Office Criminal Investigation Division, and the Cupaw Canine Unit for the help they provided. The uh, McCourt's prayers is that others missing a loved one hold on to hope. Don't give up. Keep the face. You know, keep pictures out. Keep it going because someone will see him. Brittany stated her family hopes to have Harley back home in a couple weeks. According to the Pulaski County Sheriff's Office, Harley's initial disappearance is still under investigation. Now, what happened here? Um, Hard to say. Uh, as you heard in this article, as you would guess, there are um, some other articles written about it. None of them are exactly clear on what they think happened here with Harley. I don't know. I, the way, I will tell you, the way I read it is... You know, does does Harley have some sort of? Um, could he be autistic? Could he have Asperger's? Could he have some sort of uh, learning disability? I suppose we have to also be open to the idea that was he an addict of some type? Did he have some sort of mental health issue? Because what's what's clear here is he knew he was missing. He recognized his family when they were in Galveston. So he knew he had a family. Did he did he forget what his name was? Of course, you know, if you wake up one day out in the middle of nowhere and you don't know who you are, it's going to be hard to figure out where you need to go and who you need to call or anything. But the issue on top of everything else, as it says in the article, he had information on him on how to contact people. So... I'm not sure what to think. Um, you know, it says that his mind is a bit fuzzy. I would like, um, if any of you want to hazard a guess here, and, uh, you know, in the chat before we're done for tonight, what does this sound like to you? What kind of disappearance does this sound like to you? The way it was portrayed, of course, there's a lot of, a whole bunch of it from, we don't know what Harley was doing with his life before he went missing, but it does kind of give the idea that maybe once again, did he have a leering disability? doesn't talk about anything like he left his job or anything. Um, it would help us certainly if we knew more of these things uh, as far as looking at other disappearances and is there a possibility that some of these other disappearances are like Harley's? Um, if somebody like Harley goes missing, you know, I guess it does raise the, the odds at least a little bit that these other men or women are alive as well. And, and as you know, there, there are at least some disappearances that we've covered on Unfound. Well, I'm certainly open to the idea that the person is still alive. Not many, but certainly a few. Um, Brandon Roberts, like I said, I don't know how surprised I am that he was still alive. I'm just surprised he was still in the Portland area and he was in a hospital. Uh, Patrick Reed, that's the other disappearance that we covered where he ended up being alive. I was alive. I was certainly surprised by that one. But there are some others that you know strike me as ones where the people could be still alive. Uh, dare I say Trevor Nichols, I think is a possibility. So 
we just don't have enough here to really put a, a, a good finger on it, but that, of course, will not keep us from guessing here. Um, Bowling says he was acting as his own attorney because, oh, the, the doctor was. He was acting as his own attorney. Okay. Thank you, Bowling. Um, yeah, amazing's done. It says, so good, Sheree. Someone could have been taking advantage of him as well. That's certainly possible. Thank you for that, Sheree. Charles, sounds like mental illness and or addiction, Charles says. Yeah, I agree with Charles. MT, I agree with Charles as well. Kathy, sounds like a mental condition. I wonder if someone was helping him, sheltering him while he was missing. Mental illness. So most of you are going in the mental illness direction. Okay? Because we have to remember, he was eating somehow. He was getting at least water somehow. How was he doing those things? Uh, so not sure if we're going to hear more about this. And in fact, as you, I read in the article, it seems that Harley can't even remember himself going missing. But the big question is, once he realized he was missing and he has this backpack with these names and everything, why did he not try to contact them? Don't know. All right. That's all I... Um, have for tonight uh ending uh I, I think at least that part uh, of course i still have to talk about friday's episode i'm going to do here in a moment but trying to end on a, a high note tonight a happy note with uh, this uh guy this young man being found alive and what a story being out on the beach and he comes walking right down the beach it's just it's like it's like a movie is what it is um Sheree says, remind me of the lady that went missing in New York, New Orleans recently. Yeah, Sheree. Right. I should mention one more thing um, the, before I get to this Friday's episode, that the Unfound Now episode is now out for Patreon people and for uh, YouTube people. So if you'd like to get on that early, once again, become a supporter at either location. Uh, I talk about the disappearance of Maya Blanton from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. This is a disappearance that occurred on February 25th. She and her car are both missing. So that is the Unfound Now episode that came out today. All of you, the rest of you, will have to wait at least a week before I make it public. All right, Friday. Kind of doing the same thing like we did with Bowman, uh, what was it, a month ago? Another unfound now, speaking of unfound now, another unfound now disappearance is becoming a regular Friday podcast episode. And that is the disappearance of Jason Landry. Um, The way at least I remember it, uh, he went missing in December. I did that unfound now episode at the end of January of 2021. So two years ago. And it was kind of after that that it seemed that his disappearance really, I'm not, it just seems like, I guess I was a little ahead of the curve. I'm not saying I caused it, Unfound Now caused it. It just seems like I was a little ahead of the curve on that one. That I covered it, and then within a few weeks, John Lorden covered it. He and I talked to Jason's father together, and now, as we know, two years later, uh, Jason's disappearance has been covered all over the place. But I remember when I did that Unfound Now episode that it still was a very localized piece of the news to that part of Texas, Luling, Texas. But his father, Kent, 
uh, is the guest. We did the interview over Zoom. So if you do choose to uh, partake in the episode here on YouTube, you will see me. You will see him talking back and forth. Everybody else, you'll just get to listen to us. But Jason went missing on December 13th of 2020. And he was driving home for the Christmas holidays. It's kind of a situation where I'm not sure that his family knew he was coming. They knew he was coming home eventually, but not right at that second. And it seems that on his way home, he missed a turn, ended up on this road that he shouldn't have been on, got into a car wreck, got out of the car, and was never seen again. Uh, a lot of his things were found in the in the middle of the road later. Many, many searches. I would say Chris's disappearance is just over two years old, but the way I understand it, of course, I wasn't there, but some of the most thorough searches that I think have ever been done in any disappearance that unfound is ever covered. And still he is missing. So the title of this episode is going to be The Search Isn't Over. And if you can believe it, the word search has never been used in the title of an unfound episode before. I was shocked to learn that. But being that searching has been so much of trying to figure out what happened to him, because it's like, how far could he have gone if he was by himself? He really did walk off. Where did he go? How far could he go? This wasn't like Daniel Villarreal, where he's in the middle of a city. Jason's out there in the middle of nowhere, kind of like Brandon Lawson. But that is Friday's episode. Jason Landry from Luling, Texas. That's where he went missing. December 13th, 2020. His father, Kent, is the guest. So that's, um, yeah, Gementuinus reminds me of Rockford, kind of like you did with Bowman, and then the True Crime Garage did it a week later. Yeah, I heard about that, Rockford, although I did not listen to it. Many people told me that. And Marcus asked me, I have a question about the McDaniel sisters. Do you know how Gross and Warren found them? I do, Marcus. What happened was that, um, and I somehow I remember this, that Ed Gross, of course, you have to remember the McDaniel sisters up in the Live Oak area of Florida, which is in the northern part of the state. And that's where Ed Gross was. Ed Gross with, was friends with the McDaniel sisters' older sister. That is how they knew each other, through that connection. And uh, the Warren guy uh, was just kind of a tag along. He was up there. He was friends with Gross. But it all got started because the McDaniel sisters' older sister knew Ed Gross. That's, that is the connection there. That's a great question. I don't even know why I remember that. But um, that's how they found them. They were out there seeing their father in Live Oak. They decided to all get together to hang out. And then before they knew it, the girls were in the car with Warren and Gross headed to South Florida. That's how that happened. All right, everyone. Thank you for watching tonight. I love it that we had some new viewers tonight. That excites me so much. And you will hear and see me on Friday. But don't forget, Thursday evening, me and Dr. Telesco together once again. We're getting the band back together for an hour to talk about the disappearance of Karen Moore. Good night, everyone. Give it a thumbs up. Patreon. Support Unfound any way you can. I appreciate it. And good night. See and uh, see you, Charlie. Say hi to the boys for me, and keep your head on a swivel out there, everybody. Good night.